Happy New Year, chatters. Happy New Year. And we forgot for a moment how to use our microphones, but we seem to have sorted it out. <laughs> I'm just back at work from what ended up really being a proper, like I took three months of leave without pay after finishing off that Parliament House series that nearly killed us all. And I really have had a proper break. And I got back to work yesterday. <laughs> just like they've really messed with me by... Um, changing the entry foyer downstairs at the ABC. So I walked in, I'm just like, oh, my God, it's not even the same century. <laughs> it's turned into like... <laughs> so the garden variety returning to work discombobulations oh. just enhanced even further. And then you. plus the old, oh, you know, you need your password. My what? Oh, no idea what that is. So like four hours later on the phone to IT help. Well, my return to work was um, a little hairy because I had a bit of a stumble when I was on holidays. I've got one hell <laughs> of a black eye. I shouldn't eye. be laughing. It's very upsetting. It was, it was actually a bit, you know how when you fall over, you do something like that and then about five minutes later, the shock sets in and you start crying uncontrollably and shaking. It was like that. I was walking along the street. I had, it was when I was in New York. That's almost like a clang, isn't yeah, it, it, to is. drop that you're in New York? Yeah, it just is. It was absolutely freezing the whole time I was there around, hovering around minus 10 to minus 15. You were 15. there during the ice bomb weeks. Oh, I was. I was wearing Your gl- luck's really holding out, isn't it, champ? <laughs> I was wearing gloves and a big jacket, but it was so cold I had my hands shoved deep into my pockets. Oh, no. And then I tripped on something and I could not get my hands out. And so I literally face planted. I heard my head hit the pavement. It was horrible. What um, I love, though, yeah. is that you then immediately posted a photograph of yourself with this ginormous shiner on the Facebook group. And you look kind of elegant. Like, you wear that black eye really well. Well, I had – the rest of my face was made up um, and I just thought – it was one of those things where I realised after a while, oh, no, all my holiday stuff, so I'm going to look like sort of half a zombie because I've got this black ring around Unless you do eye. them all ABBA-style, just profile. <laughs> <laughs> Which like, here's me, my selfie in front of this, you know <laughs> – I did do that a bit with um, my, my friend Jenny Brocky was in New York at the same time. It was her birthday and we went out to dinner and we got a um, shot together. And Jenny said, look, just lean in close and I'll lean in towards you and just see if you can hide that eye behind my hair. And the shot actually worked out quite well. Just half my face is in shadow. But um, other than that, it was perfectly fine. But um, I'll talk about um, some stuff I did in New York later. But I Can I talk about my bum first? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Wow, chatters. Actually, that was the highlight of the Christmas holidays. I've had a, a, a look at Annabelle Crabbe's bum via photo, via transatlantic photo. and will not be posted in the show Trans-Pacific notes. photo, I should say. And actually in real life as well. Actually, because Gwen saw your picture on the, the group and just said, it sounds all right. Like she seems to have, or maybe it was Miranda, I can't remember. Somebody anyway picked it up and just said, what the hell's going on with sales? She's got a massive smashed up face injury and I had a look and went oh holy crap but as it happened and I mean one day when we have enough time I never we should work out if we actually fell at the same time because I (laughs) slipped on the stairs at my house because I've got like carpeted stairs for no good reason except keeping things quiet um with children rumpeting around and um I just slightly missed the step or like just my heel just kind of got the edge and I just went down on my ass. I didn't go mm. bumpity bumpity bump, just one bump. One bump. And I just, it was just sort of like, oh, wow. But I was in a real hurry so I was running around doing things and it wasn't really till the next so day you didn't that put I ice thought, on your bum immediately or anything like that? No, I didn't <laughs> ice my bum that day. <laughs> but, I mean, wouldn't you ice your bum? I wouldn't ice my bum. I, w- I wouldn't I- ice my bum if it was a donut, lady. You know what? <laughs> 
you know what? Having now seen your bum injury, I would ice my bum. But prior to having seen that, I wouldn't have because I would have thought, but oh, there's padding so there. Padding. That's what like, I would have thought. Yeah. How can it bruise up so bad? But wow. Chatters, let me tell you, it was a whole, it was like it was one cheek. bum cheek was a plum. Yeah, it was a bum plum. <laughs> It was pretty bad. Uh, and I, you know, had look, a day later I finally just, you know, was getting in the shower. I thought I'll just take a quick look at that because it's still quite sore. <laughs> and it was just like an old lady bruise, like a full it purple, was. horrifying. Anyway, and so when I um, finally took the photo, <laughs> I actually had my sister-in-law assist with the taking of the photograph. So thanks, Margot, for that uh, weirdest thing she's ever had to do for me. <laughs> And I was like, can you just photograph my ass so I can send it to Lee Sales? And she's just like, oh, my God. Righto. <laughs> it's quite Righto. a treat to wake up to a snowy morning in New York. Yeah. Oh, lovely. A message from Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. your response is like, oh, my God, that's hideous. And the bruises are quite nasty too. <laughs> um, well, I'm just I'm glad for you that you're not in porn or some sort of business like no, that. I think so. we're both glad about that. <clears throat> um, I don't think I'd last very long. No, but I had to last week send makeup a photo of my face to say and it's much better now but because it had sort of over the two weeks had just sort of morphed around into different things and it had quite a dark apparently what is called a blood stain <laughs> under it on my yep. cheek and you just looked like you'd been shat on by a very unwell <laughs> seagull <laughs> and um I sent it to makeup to say normal concealer ain't gonna cover this you need to break out the drama concealer eye patch but now it's actually quite a bit better so yeah yeah, not so good but you know what one of the pleasures of um being on holiday is when you have a long haul flight is the ability to binge watch a whole season of something in one go wow and you know what you watch television shows on on a flight for me it's just only books and movies does does reading a book make you fall asleep though Depends which class I'm flying. <laughs> like I've never flown business overseas, I don't think. But um, I reckon, I think the higher class you are in an aircraft, the more you want to stay awake. <laughs> I just find reading, I don't know if I'm, you know, under rested or whatever, but often it, if I read in the day, it makes me not off and have a nap. No, 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 no. You don't, no, no, it no, doesn't no. make you not off? No. Oh, okay. That's good to know. But I don't really, it, if I lie down and read, then see you later. Yeah, but, um, okay. If I'm if reading during up. the day, I'm sitting up. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I like sort of – I was doing – on the way home I was alternating between watching uh, – well, what I was binge watching was The Crown Season 2. <gasps> oh, my God, speak. Speak to me. <laughs> I've watched the whole thing. So I was watching – I was doing some watching of that and then I'd watch two or three episodes and then I'd read a chapter of Fire and Fury, which is the book about Donald oh, Trump, which we'll stop it. save for another time. Yeah. But So that was a pretty pleasant long-haul flight, yeah. as pleasant as those horrible things can be. But, okay, so The Crown Season 2. Um, also, I feel like I should say – like we can't really talk about things and guarantee that there won't be a spoiler. I'll try but not it's to. It's all happened. It's all true. Yeah, like, but you forget about stuff, and so then it does. It's feel not a spoiler like... if it's happened. True. It's but... like okay, so we watched this OJ series. <laughs> Should there be a spoiler? I don't know. Although a great television series about a real series of events actually somehow chemically makes you forget it even as you're watching it. Does. It It recreates it as the ability to shock you. Like you've said a bunch of times that you're watching that OJ chase and you're thinking, oh, my God, is he going to shoot himself? It was crazy. Mm. Um, But I think, look, be warned, chatters, Various historical events that actually happened <laughs> yeah, will it, be mentioned yes, in this discussion. And if you're not familiar also, with them. the Beatles have totally broken up. <laughs> if you're Sorry, not, Sales. Oh, that brings me to my former McCartney interview. Oh, um, if you – see, you might not be familiar with this era, era of British history. So, you know, anyway, whatever. It's 
it's the current era of British suck history. Suck it up, like, listeners. No, it's not. About? The 1950s aren't the current era of British history. It's current dish. Um, okay, so um, I think that firstly it has just sent me down so many rabbit holes about people that I thought I would never oh, be interested no. in. Yeah. Like former British Prime Lord Minister. Snowden. Har- Lord yeah. Snowden. Harold Macmillan. Yes, uh, Macmillan. Just, you know. Macmillan's wife, that, more, more centrally. Absolutely. So all of that stuff has been absolutely fascinating. And I just feel like my list of things that I want to read now because of this show is just amazing. It also just makes me... I'd be really interested to see some opinion polling out of Britain about the royal family and the Queen. Surely yeah. it has to have had a positive impact. Well, that's the thing. And the the thing that I want, I mean, what I would really like is to have the makers of it right here so that we could interview them. Because I, look, the series is so intimate and it it goes into some very controversial elements of the relationship between the Queen and Prince Philip. Um, it. Oh my God! The revelations about the Queen's uncle, oh. uh, the the abdicated king who Edward. raced off with um, Wallace Simpson, it, I, they're just extraordinary. And in fact, um, Jeremy and I, when we watch it, we end up doing a half hour of googling after the episode because yeah. it's like, is that for real? Yeah. Oh my gosh! Totally well, that's. I mean. A lot of moments in this season, you know, really stick with me. But there's an episode about halfway through where there's a lot of emphasis on him and it's about his ties to the Nazi party and the Queen sort of learns about the depth of it and is Mm. appalled and, and, you know, rightly believes it would be very damaging to the royals if it ever got out. And then at the end of the episode they show a slideshow of the actual historical photos of the real um, David and um, Wallace Simpson with Adolf Hitler inspecting SS troops. Like it, it was – I think my Looking jaw was on the ground. unnervingly similar to the actors who were cast to play them in The Crown. It's just – I reckon I, my mouth yeah. was hanging open. I, I could not believe it. It it's was a million-dollar television moment. It sales. was really, really amazing. The other thing too with the relationship between Philip and Elizabeth, I think that they have been so clever in the way that they've done it because – there's things that have happened in that relationship that have been, you know, rumoured but nobody knows for a fact. Yeah. So, you know, he's meant to be a bit of a bounder and a bit of a playboy but nobody ever knows for sure, yeah. you know, is that the case. Um, and so there's a scene in the final episode where um, she makes it clear that she knows that he – she thinks he's cheated on her. Well, she says, you know, I'm happy – I can look the other way. And she shows a photograph of a woman that she found in his luggage um, and – when she confronts him with it, the dialogue sort of stops and it's silent for quite a while and nobody says anything but the actors' faces sort yeah. of move through a range of various emotions. Ooh, Oop, that. Cla- that was a literal clang. Um, and That's the interruption for today. Pretty low level, wasn't it, really? It was. <laughs> and then he basically... Just otherwise be Big Bird <laughs> jumping through the door or something. He basically says, um, you need to know that I'm in. You know, I'm in yep. this relationship. This is it's tough. We've you know, marriages are tough generally. Ours has got some particularly weird things going on, but I am in this, um, regardless of you know the sort of noise or whatever else. Um, and I just thought, geez, it was clever because it allowed yeah. you as a viewer to you could decide for yourself or not whether you think that that really happened. But they, as the filmmakers, haven't chosen to say we're going to portray it that yeah. this definitely happened. Well, it's portrayed with all the complications of a normal relationship, I think, which yeah. is um, which is in a way the most um, extraordinary thing about it because it has every other element 
of the absurd um, contraption that is the royal family. And But then in the end, these sort of human themes are all too common, I think. But it, it, the thing that puzzles me about it is what is, like, have they had any kind of assistance from the royal family or the royal establishment at all? Because, like, it looks... It looks like they've had access to some um, buildings, yeah, but, but I maybe guess they haven't. Maybe I mean it's the most expensive television series ever made, right? So maybe everything is just <laughs> they've just built a, a replica Windsor Castle. <laughs> but it would be, I mean, and I find myself thinking about this a lot while I'm watching it because I just think, oh no, that 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 would never stay in if the palace had any kind mm. of cooperative role in it. Um, There's no way I reckon that you could have offered the palace any sort of role or consulting or anything like that because then I think you would there'd be a risk that you would feel co-opted I think right, I think yeah. I think you'd have to not have that yeah. but maybe you would use people who had worked for the royals as consultants yeah. or something yeah but now that it's come out and it's a big success and I think even warts and all it, it is so positive for the royals I mean I would I wonder now if perhaps maybe they're cooperating I, I just I don't know yeah. but you'd want to maintain 100% Full freedom. Yeah, they, they can't be in, in any way involved, I guess. Particularly because so, they're going to be now. We're talking now, other than the Queen and Philip, about people who. I mean, Charles has just come into it in the previous mm. season in a big way, but we're talking about mostly people who are dead. But yeah. in the current, the coming seasons, we're going to be talking about people who yeah. are alive and the future of the crown. Yeah. So, so do tricky. you feel more positively about the Queen, for instance, after having watched it? I have always admired the Queen because I've I thought. She, you know, has handled herself with incredible dignity over a long, long period of time. And she's really probably the last towering figure of the 20th century mm. who's still alive. Um, but And also just that I was thinking about, you know, when she dies, like she's been as present in my life as the rising of the sun. Like yeah. since I've been born, yeah. it's been the queen, you know, yeah. on the on the currency. Like yeah. it's just... I was went to school in the era where you sang God Save the Queen in the morning when yeah. you arrived at school. So I do – I've always admired her, but this program has made me feel sort of – I was going to say more fondly towards her, but really more fondly towards the character that they have created yeah. of her. Yeah. Um, and also has made me think about her more as a human being and what it would must be like as a human yeah. being to have that role. What I about think, you? Yeah. Oh, no, I, I definitely have more sympathy for her and – Partly because when you spell out the sort of absurd demands that were made of her as a very young woman, particularly when like there's this incredible line where she's, I mean, her relationship with um, her sister Margaret is incredibly fraught. And mm. it, it does, the whole series evokes very clearly the absurdity of what it would be like to be one of those peripheral royals without a real job. Mm. Like an accident of birth stopped you from having a really significant job mm. and at one point um uh the queen um played by um claire foy claire foy so brilliantly i mean her Fantastic. her eyes and her lips should get separate golden <laughs> globes i think um but she says she's actually having a conversation with jackie kennedy this scene i think is so oh. unconvincing i i didn't i didn't i thought that scene was just ridiculous but yeah she was 
talking about being incredibly shy and, and over the course of her her reign, she has periodically bolted to Bal- Balmoral and just gone mm. shooting deer and, you know, stumping around in rubber boots, which mm. is obviously what makes her happier. But imagine being having an accident of birth thrust you into that job that you weren't confident in, that you didn't feel, feel educated sufficiently for and that you essentially at heart really didn't want to do. You didn't love meeting people. What you wanted to do is stump around and go gardening. Mm. Um, but your sister who loves that stuff has yeah. got nothing to do and really just ends up carousing her life away. And also for your partner, um, I mean, one of the lines that really stuck with me was um, they're having a, a row about their marriage and sort of trying to put everything out on the table and she, um, she he says, all right, well, you know, who's going to go first? Oh, no, no, sorry. If I've learned one thing over the course of this, it's that I always go second. Um, and it was just like, man, and that's not just him, although I think it's particularly hard for the hus- a husband and a man to be thrust into that role the whole time. But um, everyone, her yeah. sister, her mother, yeah, everyone like goes that. second, everybody. At some point she says to her aunt, you know, well, as the head of this family, you think, oh, that's right, because you are really. Yeah. But um, I do feel more sympathetic towards Prince Philip as well um, after watching this. I mean, yeah. like, I actually, weirdly enough, I was, um, when we were shooting the house, I was um, interviewing Tony Abbott and I was just sort of making small talk and I said, oh, have you, I said to him, have you been watching The Crown? And, of course, you know, he only watches things on cine film or something. He's like, what, Netflix? Hmm? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just not, hasn't got to Netflix yet, I don't think. He's just got past Olivetti. Like, um, so I was telling him about it. He's going, oh, all right. And I said, you know, the funny thing about it, and like, I didn't even think before I said this, but I said to him, oh, look, the weird thing about it is that I'm, after the first series, I'm just much more sympathetic to Prince Philip than I ever was. Yeah. And so but then Abbott just says, Worthy of a knighthood, you reckon, Annabelle? I'm like, oh, no, that was ridiculous. And he's like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that was really funny. But all of them, like Philip yeah, as well, you just think more about what it must have been like to be a, a human being done that. I mean, I cried my eyes out in the Charles episode where oh he's sent God, to boarding school. Oh, my God, that's just so traumatic. Oh, it was awful. And you just think, oh, so that's why you're a bit odd. <laughs> oh, it was absolutely shocking. Um, and, you know, it's not. It's not like it's an entirely sympathetic portrait of the Queen either because some of the scenes around that and the decision yeah. for him to be sent to a boarding school that was clearly ill-suited and that they all knew that it was going to break him. Yeah. Um, but he gets sucked into the power vortex because Prince Philip really wants him to go to this terrifying school where you get beaten he went up to. Yeah. because he feels like it made him a man and he feels that Charles is a bit of a ponce and just needs to be stomped yeah. on a few times. And the Queen sort of just lets it. Let's it roll because she's got to give him something. So yeah. poor old Charles becomes that. Look, this is this could be keeping up with the Kardashians. We're now <laughs> totally. just like yeah, and it is. It's like a fabulous soap. It's like a fabulous soap that is also real. And um, they spent just a huge amount of money making, so it's just glorious. <laughs> I loved it. I yeah. absolutely loved it. I thought it was equally as good as the first one. Um, there's only one shot in it of John Lithgow who plays oh, Winston Churchill in season one. John fabulously. Lithgow is brilliant. Love him. The best thing about the first series, I reckon, he's just so good. He's the best but, in everything. He was the best he, thing about Footloose. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but you've seen the church because there's a few Churchill films that have Mate, come out. I've seen all of them. Right. Uh, and I now have this really intense and problematic 
something that I didn't expect to be happening to me at this point in my life, I've got Churchill confusion. <laughs> I've seen so many <laughs> Churchill films and he's and, and series that he's been in that I'm like, which Churchill was that? Was that Lithgow uh, Churchill? Oh, classic. Or was so that Gary Oldman Churchill? I so there's remember. the Crown Churchill and yep. then what are the other things that so are So there's out? a film Churchill right. um, which is um, Brian Cox as Churchill and Miranda Richardson as Clementine. Right. And that is it came out last year. I actually saw it on a plane uh, at some point and it's great. I really loved it. I'm, you know, sort of interested in that period of history as, as is everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but this film is quite narrow in that it's it's about Churchill's decision-making up to and including the D-Day invasion, um, right. the landing. And it's it's really about the interplay between um, him and General Eisenhower and the king um, and it is it's basically a sort of a drawing room drama. You know, it's it's shot inside. They haven't even tried to to reproduce the D-Day landing itself. It's all about the diplomacy. Oh, that sounds great. It's really good. And it's fascinating because it shows you – because every bit of Churchill's life that you pick shows you something different. And um, – the the um, this particular part of it shows him slightly losing it. He's being cut out of the decision making, um, and so it's this period of great stress, and he feels irrelevant. And Miranda Richardson is really great as Clementine. It shows his rages, and you know, obviously he's pissed the whole time and all of that. Mm. Um, so it's really intense examination of a short period of time. Um, in the Queen, uh, the Crown, obviously, it's about his relationship with the Queen, which yeah. is something different. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's a lot of stuff that he, um, you know, he, he deals with her father a lot, and that's what you see yeah. in Churchill. Yeah. Um, but in um, the most recent one that's just come out, which is called The Darkest Hour, that's Churchill um, uh, interacting. Um, it's um, he's interacting a lot more with um, with the king. He's um, uh, so it's her father again. Back to that era, World yeah, War Two. Yeah, and um, right. guess who the King George is played by? Ben Mendelsohn. I am not even kidding. No way. Yeah, get out of the city. It is amazing. Wow, really is he amazing. good? So this this is Churchill. It starts with Churchill becoming prime minister. Mm. So um, yeah, Mendelssohn's incredible. Wow, okay. he's Great. so versatile. That guy, amazing. And he just slips into um, slightly hesitant monarch with a stutter, like you just yeah. Is it? I, I think we've said it before with Mendo. He can. He can. Mendo. Mendo. Me and Mendo, Mendo. like this. <laughs> Shit! Are you joking? He can he can switch effortlessly between yeah. terrifying and menacing and sort of quizzling, weak chinned, slightly. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah, the king. He's amazing. Wow. God, that sounds great. It's really good. Yeah. So of those two, and also um, Clementine is played by Kristen Scott Thomas, which is a really great piece of casting. If you only felt like you had the appetite to watch one Churchill film, oh. which of the two would you? Oh, I'd probably go The Darkest Hour. And. Why is it that all of a sudden, like a heap of, like when that Truman Capote film came what? out, another Truman Why? Capote Why? film? Why? How? Yeah. I know. Is there something in the ether? And like, I love that there's enough room for them. And I actually am quite enjoying getting different glimpses of that period because it's really, um, you know, it's it's quite um, 
there's so many absorbing elements about Churchill as well. So that I think he's a character who can take different kind of approaches. Oh, what about that bit in the the first series of The Crown where Churchill is sitting for the portrait? Yeah, that's right. Um, and the artist is like yeah. kind of because the, the the portrait of Churchill and I just I can't remember the artist's name. Um, he hated the portrait, right? Um, and the artist spent a lot of time in conversation and almost like just psychoanalysis with him. Right. And the portrait is quite dark and brooding. Churchill hated it. And after his death, Clementine burnt it or had it burned. Oh. And it's actually like it's an incredible portrait. Like it only survived in photographs now. by a very well-regarded British artist. Because yeah, whose name I heroically can't – I'm just going to look it up because it's it's worth remembering and even though I've forgotten it, it's just my general Churchill confusion. Um, Spe- while you do that, um, speaking of product made about real-life events, mm. um, when I was overseas I saw the film The Post with oh, I can't wait to see Meryl that. Streep as Catherine Graham and Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley. Um, so it's basically about the Pentagon Papers and the leaking of that material by Daniel Ellsberg and then The Post and The New York Times basically competing against each other to be the ones to, um, you know, get that yep. material out and to sort of get around the courts which are trying to block the publication of it. And so it's, it's sort of about, you know, The Washington Post was – it was sort of the start of when the post was about to enter its golden era with yep. all the Watergate stuff. But basically Catherine Graham has to make some really tough calls about whether or not they're going to publish stuff that, you know, the government's claiming is yeah. treasonous basically and she might well, get thrown in jail. That, um, you oh, love- her mem- memoir is one of my favourites, Personal yeah. History. Look, um, it was well done. It certainly held my interest. I thought Tom Hanks was an excellent Ben Bradley. Uh, Meryl Streep, you know, just – Throwing this into my Dickens thing. She just leaves me cold, Meryl. Throwing this into your Dickens thing. <laughs> into my Dickens Please don't bag. ever say that phrase again. I... Meryl Streep always makes me feel like she's one of those people who's like, oh, please, look at look at my acting. Because <laughs> even what I just did then, she was doing it all the time, like, oh, real people don't speak without saying um and ah or stumbling over their words, so I'm going to stumble yeah. over my words. And to me it f- always feels obvious and like I'm watching Meryl try to seem like... And, I mean, I know that this is a very... I know nothing about acting and I like I'm a bit party of one here to say that, that I don't like Meryl Streep's acting. But every time I see a film with her in it, I think, Meryl. Next live podcast we do, someone will be in the audience. Hello, I'm the South Australian president of the Meryl Streep Appreciation Society. <laughs> but notwithstanding Meryl being annoying, um, it was a good film, but I didn't absolutely love it. But it did make me nostalgic for the golden days of newspapers. Did you know, just on Tom Hanks... Mm. Did you know that he's written a book of short stories? I knew that this is recent, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just it's just out. I've got a copy of it, which I haven't started reading yet, but it seems to be incredibly well reviewed. Apparently, it's really good. He is one of those people. He's right at the top of my interview wish list because every yeah. interview I see with him, he's so delightful yeah. and warm and friendly, and just seems like a absolutely great guy. Apparently, he's a very nice person to have on set. Mm, He'd okay. be the number one person I'd be disappointed if he was outed as a sex pest. Oh, don't I'd, say that. I think I'm having oh, trouble with no. Aziz Ansari. Oh, I don't really want to go into it because I just feel like it can only result in us being endlessly trolled. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I. Why don't I just a, grab your knee and then leave it at that? <laughs> I tweeted a piece out of the Atlantic the other day about this issue. Oh, that Atlantic piece. Yeah, yeah, that's red hot. Um, that one is firing people up all over it the world. Is. Well, let's not get into discussion of it, but just note that. That um, Atlantic piece about 
the article that the girl, sorry, woman, I should say, wrote about her disastrous date with Aziz Ansari is like, it's about the most commented on article that I've seen um, on this. And it's very provocative. And all I'll say is I'm looking forward to season three of Master of None. (laughs) Okay. Um, Listen, that portrait of Winston Churchill was by Graham Sutherland. And look, just Google it if you can, because it's a tragedy that it's been burned because he looks, it's this sort of... um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, he looks Gee, grumpy. That's why portrait. he hated it. But it's actually... It's a great portrait. It's exactly it's the way you picture him. Um, anyway, so I could go on for about four hours about paintings that their subjects didn't like in the field of politics, but uh, that would be boring for you and everybody. <laughs> um, now, Maybe another time we'll do it. Um, before we run out of time, yeah. um, I I want to talk about going to Blue Hill in New York, but I want to have plenty of time to do that, so I might okay. do it in our next podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. But can I just quickly mention a couple of other little things that I did in New York? That yeah. Please, clang, clang. That I think people would like to hear about. I saw Bette Midler in Hello Dolly. Wow, you say you've only got a few minutes to talk about this? (laughs) There's not much to say other than it was just absolutely fantastic. And it was just, you just felt like, wow, you don't get more Broadway than watching Bette Midler you know, on 44th Street. What do you Street. wear to a night out like that, Sales? Uh, it made. It was minus 15. I was oh, wearing okay. basically a, a sleeping eye. bag. <laughs> sleeping bag and a black eye. Um, she was When she came on stage, I reckon the audience applauded for about four minutes. Everyone was so excited to see her. What's her current look? I don't mean to be shallow about all this, just but I just want to know always, what everyone was wearing. Same as what she's always looked like, but she was dressed in period costume for the show, of course. Um, but, you know, it was so interesting because I was watching her thinking, she certainly doesn't have the largest vocal range, but what she's got, she uses incredibly but her presence I mean the star quality and the ability to like hold the room's attention was just fantastic um I got into a YouTube rabbit hole when I got back to my hotel room after seeing that of bet clips and (laughs) I watched a very famous clip apparently that I've never seen before which is on the final episode of the tonight show with Johnny Carson Bet Midler is the last ever guest and she sings with a pianist one for the road oh it was... What a great idea. You'd just be slapping yourself <sighs> on the back for years as the producer if you had that idea, right? It was like, it was spine tingling and I do not know how Johnny Carson could speak after it. It was And Robin Williams was sitting on the couch. He'd mm. been the other guest on the show. It was just one of the greatest moments I thought I'd seen in the history of television. It was brilliant. <laughs> and then that led me into a rabbit hole Into once I was on bet, then I got into Barbara Streisand. I watched a documentary about Barbara doing a – it was sort of built around a live show in Miami and they had some backstage yeah. access. And the greatest bit was that the show was had, had an interval. You are a tragic figure. You really are. The show had an interval. This was 2 a.m. in New York. I was in my hotel room watching a Barbara Streisand doco. In the interval of the show, Barbara rings a place in Miami called Joe's Seafood, which is a very famous seafood restaurant that does stone crab, yeah. lobster and all that stuff. And she goes, it's Barbara. <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, Miss Streisand, oh, hello. Aren't you doing a show tonight? She was like, yes, it's uh, intermission. I just want to make sure that you've got my order for after the show. And she, then he goes, oh, okay. Uh, and then she rattles off, I want five stone crab. And I want that fried chicken you do for children. I'd like two serves of that. And then she just lists off this gigantic list of food. What, this is all for her? Or for her mates? And her husband right. and her manager or whoever. Yeah. And she wants it all in the hotel room the second that she comes off from the show. And so she comes off stage, picks up her little white dog, and then last shots <laughs> her sitting around the table chowing down on the fried chicken. It was so good. <laughs> so it's, I Barbara. That it's Barbara. It's <laughs> Barbara. Um, now let's call an end to this and I'll talk about okay. Blue Hill next time. Let's knock this on the head. I've had enough. <laughs>